Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. America, the mothership has connected. Welcome aboard. It's the four-hour deflector shield shindig. DA with you from the CBS Sports Radio Studios in New York City. Broadcasting to affiliates nationwide and north of the border. Anchorage to Atlanta, Des Moines to Durham, Kalamazoo, and Waterloo. We are on the air. Hey, listening, DA. Everything we saying, DA. Everything. How we doing, everybody? Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate you dropping on by and spending another wonderful Trash Tuesday with yours truly. Anything that's bugging you from the long Labor Day weekend, anything that's stuck in your craw, Hit me up on Twitter, DA on CBS, or on the phones at 855-212-4227. We'll get to all of your trashes throughout the morning. We'll get to our trashes coming up here next hour. Also coming up this morning on the program, plenty of college football. Our friend Brandon Kristall from KOA in Denver Sports Radio is going to join us coming up in hour three to talk about Dion Coach Prime's Colorado Buffaloes. And in our number four, Barrett Salee, college football analyst for CBS Sports. So all over the opening weekend of college football. In 20 minutes sound check, we begin after last night's Clemson and Duke game. We'll get to that coming up here in mere moments. But how about the Tigers losing 28-7 to to Duke last night? A season that begins with big aspirations once again to be kings of the ACC begins with a devastating blow. Yikes. Dabo, not happy, nor should he be. But we begin with those Colorado Buffaloes because the Buffs, even after last night's upset win by Duke, is still the story of the college football world a team that won just one game last season, pulling off an upset of a team in TCU that played in the national championship game. Many wondered whether it was all bluster, all sizzle, no stake from Deion Sanders. Instead, he delivers quite the statement in his first game. So how was everybody, including myself, wrong about the buffs? It is where we begin. You're cold open. Fourth down and two for the 46. What do you do here? Dylan Edwards in at running back. Shadour takes a snap, dropping to throw, swinging out of the backfield. Caught by Dylan. First down, 40, 35, down the sideline, 35. Steps out of a tackle, 10, 5, end zone. Touchdown, touchdown, Colorado. What's up, boss? You believe now? You, you, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, no. Do you believe that? Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sifted through all that. Yeah. 
Oh, no. Come on. Do you believe? You don't believe. You just answered it. You don't believe. Next question. In the Lone Star State, there is no star that shines brighter than Dion Coach Prime Sanders. He has shown the college football world that all of his predictions are on point as Colorado knocks off number 17 TCU. In his debut as a head coach of the Buffaloes, your final score here at Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, 45-42. Guess what? We're going to consistently do what we do. Because I'm here and ain't going nowhere. And I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. I'm about to get comfortable in a minute. It's the most amazing, sensational, dramatic, heart It's DA's top story. Here he goes. It's your cold open. All right, you heard the great Mark Johnson, the voice of the Buffs on Learfield Sports. And Mark joined us as part of the Sounds of Saturday run when we began this a little over a month ago. And that, of course, was Deion Sanders. So... I told you last week that I thought the Buffs were probably a four-win team. I thought if they could jump from a one-win squad to a four-win squad this year with just year one of Dion implementing his program, getting his guys in there, so much turnover on that roster in a pretty difficult Pac-12. I mean, this was a non-conference game. Ultimately, next year, it'll be a conference game. It'll be a Big 12 game. But right now, Colorado's competing in the Pac-12, and that's a really good football conference, ironically, in their final go-round together. I thought if they get four wins, that's a pretty significant step forward, and that they'd still end up dealing with, I think, getting exposed with lack of depth and, and good competition. And instead of this game, you saw them play a dynamic brand of offense and create a lot of chunk plays and highlight plays and play it right to the very end and outlast what at least last year was an elite TCU squad. So a couple of things happened here. Number one, I think Dion deserves credit for coaching. Okay, specifically coaching because in his three years, in his previous stop, that was a team that competed for their conference championship or won their conference championship or was one of the best schools at the FCS level and HBCU level all the years he was there. So that's significant. And now he jumps into the Power Five at the FBS level and immediately delivers a statement victory. So from a coaching standpoint, clearly Dion has some resume builders here. Number two, I think it's important to remember TCU's not going back to the national championship game this year, no matter had they won this game by 50 points or not. TCU lost a handful of its best players from last season. Last season was kind of a a magic carpet ride as it was anyway. And so everything kind of had to come together. It did. They lost a lot of talent from that squad. They were not going to replicate that. So I think in some ways when you when you frame this as, oh my God, the Buffs are a one-win team. They beat a team that played for the national championship. It's really not quite that because the Buffs are better than the team they were last year and TCU's worse than the team they were last year. But I think also what you have here is two things that Deion Sanders has brought to the table. Two elite players that could play on any team likely in the country in his son, Shador Sanders, 
and Travis Hunter, who he got the flip at his previous stop from Florida State. He was a five-star kid that could have gone anywhere. So Dion brought two elite players into Colorado. They didn't have any of those. And then also his quotes, his bravado, his confidence, his experience, his personality make guys believe. Okay? And this Buffs team went into Saturday not thinking we're the little engine that could. Wouldn't it be wild if if we won a game or two here early in the season? They didn't come in wondering if they were going to be a six-win team to make a bowl game or whatever. Deion Sanders has you believe, if you buy in, that you can do extraordinary things, that you're meant to do this. Now, it can come off as snake oil selling because you hear him talk all the time about himself, about the things that he does. It was on, you know, he's been doing this since the 80s. So at some point, you start just making it at white noise of he just keeps talking, and it's like, okay, how 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 much smoke can you blow? How much air, hot air can you blow? And people start ignoring it, you know? But if you believe it, you really believe it. And I think those guys really believed it the last couple of years. I think they believe it this year. And so that's a big difference maker. You know, coaches can speak in these statements and these slogans and these catchphrases, but do the kids really believe it? And they do in Boulder. So I thought that was really interesting, and this season's really interesting. Now, some people are going to watch one Colorado Buffalo game all season long. It was this one because there's no NFL. And this team and that game is going to be the biggest story yesterday and for maybe today or tomorrow until the NFL starts. So then you're you're just going to have a lot of national media that just kind of bails on college football until the playoff and just focus completely on the NFL. So I'm fascinated to see if there is still a fascination with Colorado and Deion Sanders once the NFL starts to distract everybody. Because I, I oftentimes say this. The college football fan is wildly underserved from a national standpoint. There are tons of regional college football outlets that do really good stuff in your local markets, your local sports radio shows, YouTube shows, you know, online sites, podcasts. There are a lot, but from a national standpoint, a lot of people just completely bail in college football between week one of the NFL season and the college football playoff. Right now, Dion's a story because people know Dion Sanders. I need to see whether the Colorado Buffaloes go two and two, and anybody's talking about a Saturday afternoon, you know, against Utah. I need to know if that's going to still resonate beyond just this. But for one week, for what he did in week one, yeah, this is that's a hell of a statement. That's a hell of a statement. 855-212-4CBS or on Twitter, DA on CBS. And I think that, you know, people can just, quote, get it wrong about Colorado because it's hard to factor in how much guys believe. But they do. Secondly, I think that it's going to be an overreaction today and yesterday, this week about CU. I still think that they're a middle-of-the-road team of the Pac-12. I still and and Dion's really good at this. 
He picked his victim, which was Edward or in this situation, and called him out and said, I read that bull junk you wrote, and you do you believe, and do you believe? And what are you supposed to say there? No, I still, you're not supposed to, you're not going to tell D on that to his face. No, I don't believe, you know? So now he has the chess pieces to play against, and he's really good at this. Last night, that's a disaster for Clemson, an absolute disaster. And if you look at the statistics, and we'll dig into this a little later on to the hour, you know, stats, if you just look at the numbers, you'd say, well, Clemson didn't have a bad day. They outpassed Duke. They outrushed Duke, so obviously they outgained him in total yards. They only had one penalty last night. Meantime, Duke committed seven of them. They were deep into Duke territory multiple times. If you looked at just the total possessions inside the red zone, you'd say, well, you know, Clemson moved the football well, and you just don't look at the score, you would say, you know, not a bad day for the Tigers. And instead... They short-circuited the red zone a million times, two blocked field goals, multiple turnovers, and Cade Klubnick made some really bad decisions. And Klubnick is supposed to be the next great Clemson quarterback. And there were designs on ascension to dominance like they were under, you know, the previous years of Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and last night looked a lot more like DJ Uyunglele than it did Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson. And that Clemson defense was good at times, and then they were a debacle at times. And that's supposed to be an elite Clemson defense as well. So that, by all measures, to lose to Duke 28-7, to the numbers are staggering. Duke hadn't beaten a top-10 team since 1989. Do you know who Duke's head coach was in 1989? Steve freaking Spurrier. I mean, it's a hell of a long time ago. So, Dabo called it the weirdest game he's ever coached in. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But also, Clemson did not play well. That, and credit that to Duke... Because they they were a better team than anybody would have expected coming into the season. And Mike Elko clearly has turned around that entire program, or at least made that program uh, a true, you know, competitive team week in, week out. But also, they just didn't play good football last night. And that, for Clemson, after a couple of years of mediocrity from their standpoint, was alarming. Okay, when we come back here on the show... We've got Soundcheck, your best audio of the day. When we come back, the Chiefs are preparing for Thursday night football against the Lions in the opener without one of their best players. And Simo on Carlos with a K. It's coming up next. DA, CBS Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love. 
hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Yeah. CBS presents this program in color. An educated person can't think he's going to get a recruit by uh, strippers coming in. They can fire you, but they can't eat you. And they run through our ass like through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. The audio you need to hear. It's DA Soundcheck. All right. Welcome back on a Trash Tuesday, everybody. Thanks so much for being with us. The DA Show, available on your phone. Stream us using the CBS Sports app or the free Odyssey app. Or you can watch us on YouTube or Twitch as well on your phone. We begin with that Colorado TCU game on Saturday. Called by the iconic Gus Johnson. Joel Klatt, of course, alongside him for the big noon on Fox game. And wanted to play this because we have a play-by-play man in our vicinity, close vicinity. The great Andrew Bogish, kind sir. Also, a lot of play-by-play from our very own Pat Boyle as well. And so here was not one of the highlights that you've seen or heard, I'm sure, from Saturday, but one that needs replay nonetheless, because while it was a historic day for the Colorado Buffaloes and a great day to begin the Coach Prime era in Boulder, it was more than that. It was the first time in NFL history or college football history or high school football history, any football history ever, that a field goal fell incomplete. A 43-yarder. Luke Groza Award. Watch list performer, and it's incomplete as he pushes it wide right. The score remains 14-7. Amazing, Bogues. We've never seen it in college football history A Field goal, incomplete. This is why you watch, DA. And this is why you put Gus Johnson on as many games as possible because <laughs> you never know what's going to happen when a college football, when a football game begins and you need Gus there for the unknown because nobody can describe it better on the fly than him. It was a, a really fun game and there was a lot of action back and forth, obviously, and a big comeback and late scores, etc. But I can honestly say I've never heard an announcer say the kick is up and incomplete. I've never heard that ever. It's not, you just announcers make mistakes all the time. I've never, never. heard a kick fall incomplete. And it's I, incomplete. I heard that live and said, <laughs> "Oh, incomplete." And then I spent a good half hour with a with my own kickoff coming later Saturday, going. Does that work? <laughs> is a field goal? I mean, it is technically incomplete. He did not complete the job of kicking and making the field goal. No, I... Is this a thing? Have I missed it? Is this Was this just a mistake? No, it's clearly a mistake. Yes. It's like a pass would be incomplete. But I... 
now you now you got me thinking. Is it possible that by technicality the call is right? Because you're always striving to find new ways to say the same thing. I mean, it is games boil down to the same stuff. Like you just so all you're trying to do is find a new way of right. presenting it, which is why creative guys like Ian Eagle are so good because he tells you nine different ways how a three yard runs a first down. So you're look you're always looking for something. You're always borrowing and copying and paying homage to somebody. So when I heard incomplete, I'm like, maybe that does <laughs> work. Because I yes, I would I would argue that he did not complete his job as the field goal kicker. So therefore the kick was incomplete. Stop. Here's where it doesn't make sense is that when a quarterback drops back to pass to throw a pass, he's looking to complete the pass to a receiver. The pass is completed. Yeah. If it falls to the ground, it's incomplete. There is no completion on a field goal. Yeah, when it goes through, point. he completes the field goal. No, it's good. It's good. It's not complete. Well, what, what does good mean? <laughs> Good's an ad. He, he made it. That's the point. Oh, he that, made it. He made it. That's the right verb. Yeah, he made oh, the he field made goal. It. Okay. He completed the field goal. No. He completed a drive by putting, by putting points on the board. No. Why are you making excuses? I'm not making excuses. I'm just, I'm arguing... The very <laughs> definition of the word. I think it does. I would never say a field goal is incomplete. Incomplete. But I think, like, <laughs> by the dictionary, he's not 100% wrong. If the kick goes through the uprights and he says the field goal is complete, is that the right call? No, that's Looney Tunes. <laughs> well, I, I, I got to be consistent. If incomplete works, then complete oh, works. Oh, come on. Gus is a legend, but I'm sure if you asked him, hey, Gus, did you mean to say that? He'd probably go, no. No, it was a rusty game for for Gus. Did he have a week zero game? I thought he they... did. He had the Minnesota Nebraska. You're right. So, so, but that was no. That was Thursday night. He did Thursday night that game, and then Saturday. Colorado. Either way, this was not his first. He, I don't game. think he worked the weekend before. But this was not his first. It was not game. his first game. There was a couple of yes. There was a couple of. This was not the only one that ball was complete. He called it incomplete. It was a fourth down. He called it a first down. He thought the TCU had the ball. Colorado had the ball. There's a couple of moments in there for Gus. On that walk-off field goal from Minnesota on Thursday, was he saying, oh, I just heard yelling. I don't know what he said in that one. He's amazing, but that one was quite the stretch. If we're being honest. field goal is incomplete. If we're being honest about Gus, who I've actually never spoken to, never met, um, he struggles at times in between the amazing moments. That's right. He does the amazing amazingly well. Yes. He does the amazing perhaps better than anybody else's college football amazing. But it's second and three, one-yard gain. <laughs> You're or, on your own. Or a field goal <laughs> yes. that is no good. The picture's telling the words. Where, yes, you have to trust. Right, trust the video. Gus would not be your ideal radio play-by-play guy. <laughs> no. No. Not quite know what was happening. If Steph Curry hits a three, you think Mike Breen's going, complete! <laughs> Wide right. Maybe he's thinking about it now after hearing Gus's call. Or a three-pointer that falls no good, saying incomplete three-pointer. <laughs> <laughs> three-pointer but but incomplete, complete is not in any way a basketball term. It lives in football. <laughs> so I don't even know if Mike Breen would consider it. Okay, nah, well, that's not an apples-to-apples comparison. I'd really like you to use this in your next Fordham broadcast. November, uh, September 23rd against Stonehill. It's on the list. Done. Is that Bronx? right? Stonehill coming to the Bronx? Can't wait. 
huge I was, one. I was actually criticized on an LIU broadcast. Uh, apparently, it's Stonal. That's not true. I'm, that's what I was told. <laughs> There's no way. Stonal. Is it one word or two words? It's one word. Stonehill. Well, I guess Stonehill. You don't say Stonehill. Where is Stonehill? I believe Massachusetts. Yes. Uh, by the way, Ronald Acuna's next home run. Swing and a drive. It no, is you're doing complete. this wrong. You are doing this wrong. It is complete. The home run has been complete. Why am I doing it wrong? I'm not the one that called the field goal incomplete. <laughs> We're talking about football. Yeah, but it we're doesn't saying. apply. It does not apply to baseball or basketball. Okay, besides pass a, a pass and a kick, then when when else can you use incomplete in a football game? If the drive stalls, you got to punt it away. The drive is incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess no, I wouldn't the say that completed way. with a punt. That's true. Yeah, you, you complete, yeah, no, he's right. Your drive is over. The every drive, drive has been completed. Every drive gets completed right. one way or another, unless you walk off the field. Your drive is complete. Unless you abandon the game. Here is Andy Reid as the Chiefs prepare for the Lions on Thursday night football. Wondering whether Chris Jones is going to play. Now, Chris Jones is in the middle of a holdout. Their best defensive player. One of the best players, obviously, in football. Travis Kelsey was begging Chris Jones to come back last week. Here's Andy Reid on Kelsey. Everybody makes their own decisions. I mean, that's the way it is in life. That's the way it is in football. And, you know, you certain guys do it one way, certain guys do it another way. Um, you know, Chris has chosen to go this route. Some other guys have chosen to get their deals done and come in and play. So I, listen, I'm not here to, to criticize one way or the other. Uh, we've had a lot of success with the guys that we have and, and we go with it. And so I, I, my standpoint is, we got a heck of a Lions team coming in in here, and with the with the guys we've got, we're gonna get get those guys ready to play against the Lions, and I know they'll be fired up to play. Really good take from Andy Reid. Uh, some guys hold out, some guys sign their deals. You know, <laughs> some guys report to camp, some guys don't. Everybody does it differently. Really good insight, Andy. That's really thank you, thank you. I feel like Andy Reid could take. A natural disaster or a tragic event, and like, I don't know, some people die, some people live. And it's totally by strategy. He just knows don't feed the flame. He's always been close to the vest. He's always been don't give away any secrets. He's kind of like, he's Belichick in that way, except he's far less dour and miserable and cynical. So people love him. Plus, he seems to be like a jolly eater. People like that. He loves big burgers. He likes. Eating barbecue. Like so. Jimmy, he was probably depressed over the weekend. Jimmy Buffett passing away because he always wears those shirts. The Hawaiians, right. So he's a more charismatic Belichick, but it's the same strategy. Don't give away anything. Don't talk about anything going on inside your walls. This is a really interesting case study because for the Kansas City Chiefs, either they will pay up Chris Jones to get him into their locker room by Thursday or by week two and say, hey, we... We've got Patrick Mahomes, and we need to take advantage of it, and we're going to spend money because, you know, we need to win championships, and that's how you do so. Or they're going to take the tact of, we've got Patrick Mahomes. We think we can outscore people for a while, and we don't need Chris Jones right now, and we can make a statement here. And I don't know which way they're going to go. 
it's a really interesting thing. I could see either one of them because the Chiefs have spent money, namely on Mahomes. But they have also been of the mindset, Mahomes makes us go, and we know that. Now, a little differently with Tyreek Hill because Mahomes directly impacts the offense versus the defense and can make a wide receiver great. But they let Tyreek Hill go. And they said, you, you want more money than you're worth, at least to us? And we are brave enough to say we're not doing this. I don't know if you can play the same game with Chris Jones, but the Chiefs might. And finally, our friend Chris Moore, who oftentimes has filled in here on the DA show over the years, but does weekends here on CBS Sports Radio, had Carlos with a K producing for him over the weekend. And here's Simo. Carlos always makes me laugh because uh, I took Spanish in high school and she would say a sentence and then you would repeat it back out loud in front of your classmates. And uh, we had this girl, Joanne, who I'm still friendly with, and she had absolutely no ear for being able to repeat what she heard. So it would go something like this. And we all had Spanish names. And they didn't use, for Chris, they actually used Carlos, so they called me Carlos. And her name was Joanne, so they called her Juanita in class. Juanita. Carlos es un chico. To which Joanne would reply, um, Carlos es un chico. And then the teacher would go, no, 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 Joanne. Carlos es un chico. Carlos es un chico. And it was one of those things, and it's a funny, I mean, I don't know if it translates on the radio, but when I tell people this story still, you know, hundreds of years later, they almost always laugh. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> well, now it all makes sense. <clears throat> that Simo now sounds, every time I hear him, like he's doing his show from his Spanish class <laughs> in the back. As the teacher helps Juanita out for pronunciations, <laughs> he's always talking like this and remembering anecdotes from hundreds of years ago. That's about as optimistic as I can be. Including Juanita and Carlos. I just wish uh, Drug Pin Pete was here to tell us exactly what sedative Simo is on these days. <laughs> <laughs> what pill leads to that? Why... <laughs> Why would Chris be Carlos? I have that question too. No. Why wouldn't it be Cristobal? Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Isn't that the direct Spanish translation? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Why would he be Carlos? <laughs> and and one is John, which is so like Joanne is Joanne the the exact feminine like opposite of John? Mm, no, not in my estimation. Juanita. <laughs> Seems like a very nice girl. With the lip smack in between every four and a half words. And I was Carlos. She was Juanita. And we also ran a bag of cocaine down to Tijuana. <laughs> and if Chris misses Spanish class, I've got a radio segment for him. Uh, Cinco Distinco? What's it called? Uh, 
down the hall. Cinco de Fivo. Cinco de Fivo, yeah. Very and the <laughs> internationally respectable down the I, hall. I, I trimmed that down. It's like an entire two and a half minute story. <laughs> oh my God. And the entire time, Carlos says not one word. <laughs> Just let him go. Carlos going, can somebody invade somebody so I get called up? (laughs) (laughs) Can somebody invade somebody? (laughs) Carlos begging for World War III to get out of the story. (laughs) Sorry about that. It turns out Juanita and I lived in the jungles of Colombia for more than six months. Nothing but bananas and grubs. Is that you, Uncle Sam? (laughs) I'm coming. South Dakota just invaded North Dakota. I gotta go. <laughs> it finally happened. <laughs> We've been teetering on the brink of Dakota War, <laughs> I, and it's here. I'm reporting to Matt Rushmore immediately. Uh, <laughs> Billy will take over the board until you're out here, Simo. <laughs> I'll see you after deployment. Yeah, they're, they're out of bread at Yellowstone, Yellowstone National Park. I've been called to report. If I get back, you can finish the story then, okay, Simo? <laughs> It was in 1976 when Juanita and I came across an indigenous tribe which adopted us. Seems like a very nice girl. (laughs) They had no spoken language. It was all hand signals. (laughs) She she still had no ear for the Spanish language. (laughs) I noticed it. It got worse. I kept telling Juanita it's not Chico. It's Chico, Juanita. That is your sound check. <laughs> kind sir, Andrew Bogish has headlines. DA headlines sponsored by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Some people have weird wastes for Clemson Mm -hmm. football. Last night at Duke, it was a weird game. Head coach Dabo Sweeney. Honestly, all my years of football, I've never been a part of a game like that, ever. His ninth-ranked Tigers outgained the Blue Devils, had more first downs, but this kept happening. And on first and goal, Klubnik from the shotgun takes the snap. Maffa again, lost it again, and it's scooped up by the Blue Devils. Headed the other way, 20, 40, across midfield, and to the 30-yard line. It's Jalen Stinson who came out of there with it. That's from Learfield IMG. Clemson fumbling twice inside the Duke 10. Also had two field goals blocked. The Blue Devils, meanwhile, ran for 199 and three scores for the 28-7 upset. Their first win over a top 10 team since 1989 when they beat seventh-ranked Clemson. Rams wideout Cooper Cup saw a specialist yesterday in Minnesota for his hamstring injury. He suffered a setback last week after initially getting hurt August 1st. Sean McVay still calling Cup day-to-day with their opener with the Seahawks looming. Shohei Otani's agent said yesterday his client plans on being a two-way player again in the future, but they're also assuming he'll need some kind of procedure this offseason for his torn UCL. 
Otani adding a pulled oblique to the injury report during BP yesterday. He was a late scratch against the Orioles. Gunnar Henderson clubbing a three-run homer in a 6-3 Baltimore win in Anaheim. That widens their AL East lead. I feel like we keep an eye on it, but we don't really like, we're just going to go out there and try to win each game because if you win the game, then that's the best case scenario, and that's what we're going to try and do each and every day. And uh, I feel like if we just do that day in and day out, then we'll put ourselves in a good spot. His O's are three and a half games clear of the Rays this morning with Tampa Bay taking a 7-3 home loss from the Red Sox yesterday. The Twins pounded the Guardians 26, extending their central lead to six games. The Astros thumped the Rangers 13-6 after the Mariners lost in Cincinnati 6-3. So Houston and Seattle in a virtual tie atop the West with the Rangers a game behind. On NL grass, the Phillies held off the Padres 9-7. The Brewers took a 4-2 loss in Pittsburgh and Arizona top Colorado 4-2 to remain tied with Cincy for the last NL wildcard spot. Uh, not sure why Boyle is dressed like Andy Roddick this morning. You don't <laughs> have to wear tennis gear to cover the U.S. Open, but there's also a hard hat on Mr. Boyle since he sit at Arthur Ashe Stadium until 1.39 a.m., that's when Alex Vera finally beat Yannick Sinner in five sets and four hours and 41 minutes. And finally, the FIBA World Cup quarterfinals are underway. Serbia just hammered Lithuania 87-68. The U.S. takes on Italy roughly two hours from now. D.A., back to you. Big-time hard hat situation going on with the one and only Pat Boyle. We'll dissect this, but he slept at the station yesterday, last night. No Juanitas to be reported. That's a, two two nights in a row. I've got a I've I've got an admission to You've make. You've got a problem. Yeah, I got, I've got an admission to make next hour that um, I'm quite ashamed of. Wow, that says something because you're usually not ashamed of anything. Yeah, and that chair does not normally produce accountability. That's a good <laughs> that's, that's a good change of chair, pace. Yeah, not the one he slept in. Correct. Yeah. Okay. When we come back on the show, Clemson getting embarrassed last night. Da CBS Sports Radio. to put AC on for a couple hours a day. Leave it on. I'm sweating. Get them out. It's DA on CBS Sports Radio. 48 minutes past the hour. The DA Show is available in podcast form. The best of the show or the full four hours. Always available for downloading pleasure. Check it out. Simply search The DA Show on your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe, rate, and review. Oh, man. Last night. The Duke Blue Devils take down Clemson in Durham, North Carolina, 28-7. And for the Clemson Tigers, who were talking about returning to the college football playoff throughout the summer, going into the season, at least observers and fans around them certainly were discussing it. That's a tough black eye to take on their opening game. Takes the snap with two. They will keep it on the ground running left. And a huge hole. Jordan Waters cuts right. 15, 10, 5. Good night. Jordan Waters turns the lights out on the Tigers. So many opportunities. Uh, you know, on the one-yard line a couple times. Uh, one for four in the red zone. You know, t- the, obviously the turnovers, three turnovers. A couple low block kicks um, that really didn't even give them a chance. Uh, but, you know, again, twice first and goal from the one, and we get no points. Uh, 
you know, it's just, um, it's just, it's, it's really, really disappointing. And I think that's why we all got into coaching was to take a group of kids and, and get them to believe in themselves and believe in what they're capable of and, and go out and elevate who they are and, and how the world sees them. And so, um, you know, they were able to do that tonight and they were able to perform at a really high level. And so really, really happy for those guys. Learfield IMG with your play-by-play, and that was the two coaches, Dabo Sweeney and then Mike Elko of Duke. There's a couple of different ways we can go on this because there's the Duke side, there's the Clemson side, there's the expectation side, there's the reality side, and all of them weighed into how it went down last night. I think, look, number one, it's why... Every college coach would prefer to schedule a bad non-conference opponent or an FCS opponent when you start the season. There is no preseason in college football, and so you take the field and you can't work out kinks. A night like last night for Clemson, if they are playing an FCS squad or if they're playing a Ball State or Eastern Illinois, you might be able to survive a sloppy night. You might be able to. You know, last night, Clemson moved the football at times. As Dabo said, they got inside the red zone multiple times. Inside the one-yard line, came away with no points, a couple of blocked field goals, turnovers, etc. Those things might just not happen if you play a garbage team, a team that's your superior then. Secondly is you're opening up on the road in conference. Never easy. Going to Durham's never been a difficult place to play, but, you know, you start falling behind a little bit. It's a tight game at the half. Third quarter, you trail. Pressure starts to mount. Instead of being at home, you kind of get a little bit of a lift. These are things that were working against Clemson that potentially could be figured out. And do I think that Clemson is suddenly a five-loss team? No. You know, again, they'll be competing near the top of the ACC. But, Florida State looked great against what was supposed to be a very good LSU team. And Clemson looked like dog food largely against what is supposed to be a middle-of-the-road, not terrible Duke team, but, you know, middle-of-the-road to maybe slightly above the, the median in the ACC. So that's a really bad night for Clemson. Now, Duke's not as bad as people think. Mike Elko's a very good coach. Riley Leonard last night, the Duke quarterback, had... An amazing run, which kind of like changed the whole dynamic of the game. That long touchdown run where he escapes the sack and breaks tackles. So there's good stuff there for Duke. But Clemson can't lose that game because two things have not happened when Clemson's been great under Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. They have not had a quarterback that made consistent mistakes. There was the interception... There's the fumbled snap. There's the fumbled handoff. There's just a lot of moments where Klubnik just looked bad. That did not happen with Trevor Lawrence and with Deshaun Watson. And number two, the defense last night was supposed to be better than that. And I know that they were put in some compromising situations. But the defense cannot give up the huge escape by Leonard. They cannot give up the big runs. They cannot give up a 36-yard touchdown scamper by Jordan Waters. They can't give up the touchdowns instead of the field goals. When the game was still in the balance, 
the big plays were made by Duke. And that Clemson defense is supposed to be an elite defense. And they keep pumping out great NFL talent. They're going to have more NFL talent of this roster as well on defense. They broke. When they had to, and they had a couple of three and outs in there, and they nearly kept the game intact, but they ultimately broke. And those are things that Clemson are not used to. So credit Duke, but for Clemson, that can't happen if you are going to be the version of Clemson that goes to the college football playoff. That version last night is not. And I know that the rest of the season's in front of them. They can still win the ACC, go to the playoff, but that version of Clemson is one of the worst versions we've seen in a long time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.